Hey, uh, happy 4th of July weekend. It's great to be here this morning. And that was a phenomenal, where are you, Blake? That was phenomenal Lord's Supper meditation. I'll tell you what, I get uh, get pretty charged up when men of faith are willing to stand in the gap and grant freedom to others. And that's what our founding fathers did. And uh, many of them were killed. Uh, Most of them lost all that they had. And as you well know, if you've read and understand history correctly, they did that so that we could have freedom of faith, freedom of conscience is actually what their their mindset was, freedom of conscience, to be able to worship and serve God as, as their hearts and the scriptures directed versus a tyrannical king. And man, I'm telling you what, that just gets me excited. So that was that was phenomenal. And I mean, I might not have been looking like I was excited, but I was grinding on that stuff because that was great stuff. So anyway, praise the Lord uh, for this holiday. It's a very special American holiday of freedom. And uh, East Lord's Day is, of course, a holiday of freedom as well. And that's exactly what you're talking about. So how many know what these little purple things are for? They're they're for words of encouragement. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I, I got a ton of these at home. And it's not because I bring these home and, and have them laying around. I have a ton of them in my, in my office, and uh, I have them in my, my desk. So whenever I get a little discouraged, because you know the devil doesn't give up until you're dead. And then he realizes, well, lost another one. Say So I pull them out every once in a while and look at them. And so uh, these are great things. Really, we're called to encourage one another and spur one another on towards love and good deeds, and all the more as we say the day of our Lord's return, right? What a great way to do that. So if you're doing, if you're really doing good on Facebook, if you're doing good with texting or really good with phone calls, really good face-to-face, that's awesome. But here's just another way to do that. So Bill Compton, thank you for your faithfulness, thoughtfulness, and steadfastness, and to my desk drawer you go. All right, Brian, I am so thankful for your continual sacrifice for so many. You are loved by the majority because of your service to our community. I also so appreciate the fellowship we have in Christ. Love you, brother. It's awesome. Mrs. Bragg. This one's not from me. This is, this is a girly handwriting. Mrs. Bragg, you're such an amazing woman. I love your beautiful smile. It really lights up the room. You are an encouragement and a blessing to so many. Can I get an amen on that one? Wow, amen, amen, all right. Okay, so Kirkpatrick family, I appreciate the way you reflect God's light and love, amen. By sacrificing for others, encouragement, prayers, and so much more, like really cool baskets that are specially made for me. (laughs) There you go. Oh, did I drop it? Okay. Bill, so thankful for your energy and love for God, his people, and the lost. We're really blessed by your continual patient teaching of the truth. Amen. All right. Well, I'm just thankful God continues to be patient with me, right? And so I am very excited about this morning, but lots of changes coming up this week. So you might want to open up your little bulletins and uh, jot these things down. We've been meeting uh, on Sunday nights uh, here at the building, and uh, we're changing it up a little bit uh, uh, tonight, and I think in the future, for a while anyway. So Sunday night, tonight, 
home assembly is going to be at the Kirkpatrick's place. And uh, they got a really cool new house. And uh, so you can ex explore all the nooks and crannies when they're not looking. Sorry. Anyway, they got a really cool house. They have some cool nooks and crannies, by the way. A little jealous here. Not really. Uh, anyway, so tonight, 6 o'clock, right? 6-ish? Six, okay. Uh, and then uh, Kirk will be preaching tonight. And then uh, Monday Night College Age Group is going to be canceled for the holiday. So you go do your 4th of July holiday uh, freedom dance. And uh, we'd love to do it together with you, but uh, you know, we know you got freedom dances other places. Uh, I'm going to be dancing with wolves and grizzly bears next Monday. And so I'm going to have a guest speaker come. Yeah, yeah. Guest speaker come next Monday. And so uh, uh, that will be great for the Monday night, but not, not tomorrow, the following. And so uh, let's see, Wednesday, uh, again at the Kirkpatrick's, because uh, the calendars, the July calendars showed up this morning miraculously. I had them last week, I forgot to put them out, but they're out there on the entryway table. And so uh, please note that Wednesday nights are going to be at the Kirkpatrick's place, and uh, I'll be coming to you this next Wednesday to finish up our series on deception, don't be deceived, uh, and then uh, we're going to have uh, another guest speaker uh, preaching, teaching on that Wednesday night, and then uh, we'll get back to our God and Government series. So we're we're going to get back to that. So, uh, lady study, it's not on this week. Thank you very much. So Thursday night lady study is not on this week. Wednesday, yes. 7 o'clock, yes. Kirkpatrick's house, yes. Oh. Okay, dinner for six. Great opportunity to spend time with the saints to get to know them a little bit better. And uh, just enjoy, just sweet, sweet fellowship. Talking about all sorts of crazy stuff, fun stuff, awesome stuff, church stuff, God stuff. It's great. So, if you're interested, and by the way, you get to know who makes the yummiest meals. <laughs> and you can tell I like uh, the dinner for six <clears throat> too much. All right. Hey, we have a birthday girl in the house. Right, Justine? No? Whoa. Okay. So surely you are 29. Only 29. Surely you are. <laughs> you don't look 20. You're like 28 or 27. Man, Brian. That would be really bad. Okay, so anyway. So are there any other birthday girls or birthday boys uh, in the audience for this coming week? No? Yes? Maybe? Okay. July is birthday month for my sons, so we'll be singing happy birthday to my sons every week pretty much. Not this week, but coming soon. So anyway. Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. All right. Man, you got a little fan club over there, Justine. That's cool. <laughs> All right. Let's grab our Bibles and jump right in. Let's turn to uh, Mark chapter 12. Very familiar passage to many of us. Mark chapter 12, and then we're also going to go to John chapter 15. The greatest loves in life is the title of the lesson this morning. The greatest loves in life. Mark chapter 12, beginning 
there in verse 28. One of the scribes came and, and heard them arguing and recognizing that he, Jesus, had answered them well, asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is hero Israel. The Lord our God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than this. The scribe said to him, right teacher, you have truly stated that he is one and there's no one else besides him. And to love him with all uh, the heart and, and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, when Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. And the other passage of scripture is found in the book of, of the Gospel of John in chapter 15. Gospel of John in chapter 15. Each one of these are setting a stage for the next mini-series on the power and the importance of love for our perseverance. And so, John in chapter 15. John 15. Actually, we're going to read verse 12 through verse 17. John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. Another familiar passage, but I hope I can bring some additional light to your understanding of these. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what the, his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you that you love one another. Let's pray. Lord, as we continue our study on the, the pillars for perseverance, the first, of course, Father is faith to, to be a deeply faithful man or woman, growing in a knowledge of Jesus Christ, manifesting that knowledge through works of faith, literally works of love, and to have great hope, an absolute trust and assurance that what you have promised, you are able to do and will do, because we have evidence over the, the several millenniums that have gone before of your faithfulness to your promises to mankind. And so, Father, we are deeply thankful for the promise of salvation, the security that we have in Christ, being filled with your spirit, being seated with you in the heavenly places. Lord, how thankful we are for these good truths. But now, Father, the greatest of these is love, the third foundational truth that is going to secure our hearts, our minds, our souls for service up to our last breath, no matter what the future may hold. Father, help us to realize that this is a critical part of perseverance. And without it, we will surely uh, uh, crumble and fall. Father, we must learn to love one another. For by it, people will know that we 
are of Christ. Lord, help us now, we pray, to begin this series by laying out some fundamentals, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. How's your love life? That's a creepy question from a preacher. You know, maybe we should have a little counseling session away from the audience, right? Well, how's your love life with the Lord? I talked about the Song of Solomon earlier today, and man, that Song of Solomon gets a little racy. And yet the intimacy there between a husband and a wife, Christ and the church, is absolutely amazing. Now we know that God's love through Jesus Christ is perfect, perfect in every way. Every need of the heart, the mind, the soul, and the spirit, God so desperately desires to grant to us. And yet oftentimes we're stubborn and we just are that, that wife, that that uh, that bride that says, you know what, love me more. I'm not going to believe it until I say it. Well, how, how else? We don't want to be that kind of bride. We want to be the bride that is as responsive to our husband as Jesus Christ is to his bride. How important that is. Why did God create the family? Why did God create marriage? That first human community of two, covenant relationship based on promises of faithfulness and fidelity. Husband laying down his life for his bride, bride laying down her life for her husband. And then, of course, the devil got in the mix and kind of messed it all up, didn't he? You know, that's kind of unfortunately how he works. That's why the love that we have for God is first and foremost primary in building this foundation of our love for Christ and our love for one another. And so this morning I pray that we'll see that foundation laid out so that we will continue to persevere. Now do you remember how I closed last week's lesson? How's your love life? Remember I closed with that and then I said don't let it grow cold as sadly has been witnessed before in the hearts of men and women of faith way back in 70 AD. You know what? Our faith needs to be strong. Our hope needs to be strong. And our love needs to be strong. Strong enough till we'll be faithful unto death, serving sacrificial in love unto death. And so uh, we're going to continue in this mini-series of love as a foundation for uh, perseverance. So the greatest commandment, you know what it is, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. I love that one. And we all know it. We memorized it. I'm sure that everyone here, if asked, maybe would have to think a little bit, maybe a little bit rusty, but, but to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength, that's the first and foremost. And then to love your neighbor as yourself, manifest that love of God. And we're going to ratchet that up. In, by the authority of King Jesus in our second point. What does it mean to love the Lord thy God with all your heart? Well, we did a massive study on the heart, the spiritual heart, several years ago. And we've on occasion gone back and reviewed a little bit. I'm going to remember what the four chambers of the spiritual heart of a man or woman is. Every single man, every single woman whether Christian or not, has a spiritual heart. 
Because we are body, soul, and spirit. We are eternal. We're created in the image of God. The spiritual heart, does anybody remember what the first chamber of the spiritual heart is? And it's specifically designated in the scriptures. Anybody remember? The chamber of reasoning. Reasoning. Now many go, well, the, the spiritual heart is the mind. Well, many believe that's the case, and yeah, it's true in some respect, but there's a spiritual nature to that. Think about it. Our mind gathers all the information coming into it through our ears, our eyes, our noses, our, our little feelers here. Uh, and uh, uh, one, I'm missing one more. Oh, our tongue. Some, sorry, you got a taste. So that's why dinner for six is good. I'm experiencing and deciding. Anyway, I got to go off food. Sorry about that. That was That's not in my notes how that one happened. So... It's important for us to understand that information is coming in and the first thing that we need to do is process that information to see if it lines up with truth. To see if it lines up with truth. That's so important. That's why the Bible is critical. It's our filter to help us filter all the information that's coming in. The second part of the spiritual heart is emotion. Now, How many of you know that emotions are wonderful because they are symptomatic of what's going on inside. Emotion means E, uh, out, motion, to move out, to move out. It's what's happening inside of us. It's expressed with emotions. We watched a movie last night, night my, my uh, wife, I said my mother, my wife, Jake's mother, Sharon, and Jacob, we watched a movie called, uh, oh, the, the, the last... The last full measure, thank you. Wow. Getting old is not for wimps. <laughs> the last full measure. It was about a man in who was a, an Air Force uh, rescue uh, uh, soldier, and he, he flew in in a helicopter, and he went down to a, a group of men in Vietnam that were just being wiped out by Viet Cong, and he dropped down, and he helped those, those men, and he saved so many of them from sure death. And uh, their medic was the, one of the first ones that was killed. So when they got there and they looked down, the first guy that came up was the medic. And they go, well, this is a problem. So this guy got in and went down. He stayed there the whole time. He actually went out on some rescue missions outside of the, the perimeter. And he did that at least once. And then on the second time that he went out, after he had passed a bunch of people up, he was killed. And he finally received the Medal of Honor in 2000, after 30 years. That movie made me cry a lot. And of course, I'm a man, so I'm over there going, must have allergies. <laughs> Those tears were not bitter tears. Those were tears of Oh, I'm overwhelmed with how amazing the sacrifice. When I think about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, I get that way too. When I really start contemplating what he did for me. A rescue mission for me. He took the shot for me. That was powerful. So my mind was processing that information. And I was looking at it from a spiritual perspective. And, uh, and so, you know, I... I didn't know how it would fit with this morning's sermon. I didn't watch it for this morning's sermon, but it sure did fit. 
Man, that guy's love for those men who he never even knew. He sacrificed himself. You know, brethren, reasoning through that, emotions came forth. What a powerful picture of personal sacrifice. And emotions came forth. But how many have ever made stupid decisions and the bitterness just overwhelms you and you weep bitterly because of the consequences? I've had those too. Notice emotions are in us, they're a part of the heart, and they express, they express what's going on inside, whether good or not. So every man is spiritual. Every man is spiritual in regards to their heart. So when we make good decisions, we may have tears of joy and excitement. See? When we make bad decisions, reasoning poorly, then we have tears of pain and suffering because of our poor choices. So recognize we need to love them with all our heart. Then the tears that we shed will be tears of love, tears of joy, tears that are pure and right and good and will strengthen us. There's nothing wrong with tears when they're based upon right reasoning from the truth of God so we make right choices. Motives is the next chamber of the heart. The, the thoughts and intentions of the heart are judged by the scripture. We talked about that. Use the scripture as the filter to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Intentions is motives. Motives. And I've given you some scriptures for each one of those below. And finally, the, the deepest part of the human uh, spiritual heart is the moral heart. That standard of doing that which is right and good and true according to God's word, God's will. And you know, when we do that, we have a sense of strength. But when we do something that's of sin... Then there's guilt and there's fear and there's, there's, there's all sorts of gunk that comes in when we do that, when we pollute our spiritual heart. And there's some scripture there as well. But it says to love the Lord God not only with all your heart, but all your soul. Now what is your soul? That word soul in the Hebrew, look at that, if, is, is nephish, nephish. It means the living being, that which animates this vessel. And uh, it, it means the self, the unique person inside, the unique person inside. That's Hebrew. That's the Hebrew word for soul. And, and the Greek word is the Greek word psyche, as it says there. Now, you know where you talk about psychology, psyche, the individual uh, pathologies experienced by a human being. Well, Unfortunately, psychology is always talking about the wonky, weird stuff in human behavior. But you know what? It's the amazing life of Christ manifest in individuals. The word psyche there in the Greek means the unique life and person God has created you to be to serve him. So everybody in here is unique. Everybody. And uh, there's no two people alike. Everybody is unique and distinct. It's like uh, they were stamped with the image of God in regards to spirit, but when it comes to the soul, each one is masterfully made unique by God. Each is a masterpiece. By the way, if you want to know the truth about that, go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Write that down. Look it up. 
You are the amazing creation of Christ Jesus. And Psalms 139 says that he made you fearfully and wonderfully and awesome and unique and distinct in your mother's womb. And he gave you your, are you ready? Personhood at the moment of conception. The moment of conception. Now, what is this all talking about? Some people say that I'm a B personality type. Wrong. I'm an A type personality. Some people would say I'm an extrovert. Wrong. I've discovered I am an extroverted introvert, which means what? Means I can really do what I need to do publicly and I kind of enjoy it. But man, when I'm done, I'm like, I need to get out in the woods with a good book and sit by a river. Because getting out in the woods with a good book sitting by a river where there's no grizzly bears is uh, really so empowering for me. And then I can come back and I can preach it better. And I went away two, three days with my wife and uh, we went by some rivers and we went by some mountains and, and uh, I'll tell you what, I was refreshed. Notice, I can do this. God has granted that to me. That's my personality type. That's my psyche. Now, some people aren't like me. In fact, the truth be told, no one is like me. And some of you might be saying, man, that's good news. <laughs> you know, each one of us is special and unique. God has created us that way for his pleasure, for his purpose. You know, you get the greatest joy in life when you fulfill your God-given purpose using the personhood that he gave you. Your psyche is awesome. Love God with all of your psyche, all of the amazing things about you that God created you to be. Use them to serve him. And man, talk about joy overflowing. It will be great. Now, whenever you get really bummed out and discouraged and freaked out and all that stuff that we worry, all that stuff, you know what? You're not focusing on the amazing person that God created you to be. You're focusing on things outside that the devil is trying to push in. You need to realize the beauty of the creation that God made you and the greater beauty of the new creation that God has made you. Now, let's look at, uh, with all your mind, that word, uh, uh, dia, uh, uh, <laughs> paranoia, dianoia, dianoia. Dianoia is not paranoia. Dianoia. Dia with God, the mind of God. We can possess the mind of God created in his image as a new creation created in him. We can possess the mind of God. The scripture says that in many different places, but can we possess the mind of the devil? That's called paranoia, okay? Dianoia is being drawn to God, being drawn to God. And so love God with all your mind. Give your mind over to God. How many of you know the passage of Scripture, Colossians 2 and, and, and verse 8? Colossians 2 and verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. How many have read the Scriptures? Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You want to have an awesome life? I mean, just life filled with enthusiasm. Enthusiasm means spirit-filled. Enthusiasm, excitement for life. And that doesn't mean you need to be happy and jumping around and stuff like that. But it does mean 
to be powerfully filled and driven because you have the mind of Christ. Purposeful, intentional, driven to touch the lives of others for the God who created them to spend eternity with him. Because they have done this thing called paranoia, locked their mind into this devilish world, and now are freaked out by everything. You see, you need to recognize and understand the power of giving your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit, your mind, heart to God. And so your ability to reason, understand, apply, the ability to be creative, your unique disposition and understanding of God and this world from his word. And I don't know about you, but I love it when it says to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I love the mind part. It's awesome. But look at the last part. With all your strength. The Hebrew is meod. And I thought this is rather interesting. Power and might in your body. <clears throat> Power and might in your body. Uh, this physical body is weak. You know what I'm talking about? As you get older... Does your physical body get stronger or weaker? Yeah, it gets weaker. Just saying. Some of you may not know that yet. Okay? I went scanning a couple years ago and realized, wow, my body is getting weaker. But you take a look at the Apostle Paul. He was an older gentleman. In 2 Corinthians, in chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he talks about what this older gentleman went through. I mean, how many of us, older, older folks, I'm not pointing at anybody. You could decide whether you're older or not, okay? Just being correct so I don't get hurt later. So just think about it. <laughs> Beating times without number? I mean, often times without food and water? I mean, Sometimes because he chose to fast. Sometimes he didn't have a choice. How many times was he shipwrecked? The guy was beaten with rods. The guy was in prison. How many times was he in prison? We know two, at least. Well, several little ones as well. But the guy was nonstop. He was beaten brutally, thrown into prison. What's he doing? Saying praises to God at midnight. I'm usually sleeping at midnight. But... In a prison situation, I don't know if I would have been sleeping. I would have been worrying, right? Not him. He had power in his body to do the will of God. You know, it, I don't think we've tapped into that power. Now, I'm not accusing anybody, but the more you step into the will of God, the more you sacrifice things that are physical to invest your energy in that which is spiritual. It's pretty amazing. There have been times I've been so tired I don't want to go to Bible study, but I get up, throw my, sorry, tired carcass in my car and drive to Bible study. And as I'm going, I'm praying about the Bible study. And when I get there, guess what ends up happening? Man, I open my mouth and start opening the word of God. And there's like this energy that comes in that really gets me fired up. And I'm able to, and then of course, when I'm all done, I get in my car and go, oh, I don't know if I can make it home. You know, there's power, there's power, there's power in serving the Lord. Strength. Now, I love this one. Uh, I was sharing this with my family at the breakfast table. They thought it was kind of cool. How many have ever seen uh, Alice in Wonderland and the Mad Hatter? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's okay if you raise your hand if you've seen it. It's not like a sin or anything. I mean, if you worship the Mad 
Hatter, you're weird, but anyway. Uh, he talks about muchness. I don't even remember what the phrase is. Something, you're, you're, you've lost some of your muchness. You're not as muchy as you used to be. Or something like that about Alice. Wait until you hear this word. It's just, I've never seen that word before in my life. I've read it, but I never looked at it in the Greek. The force within, the muchness of power or intensity in your life. The muchness of power? Let's go look it up. I'm not kidding you. You think I'm pulling your leg? Go look it up. Muchness is in there. And I think that they probably wrote the Greek before Alice in Wonderland was written. Maybe the Mad Hatter cracked a Greek books at one point in time and saw the word muchness. I don't know. Powerful. So we need to recognize and understand we need to love the Lord thy God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. But you know what? The next part is better. Look at the next part. Look at the Gospel of John chapter 15 once again. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love is no man than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for slave for the slave does not know what the master is doing. That's in reference to Old Testament faithful folks. They were slaves under the law. But I have called you friends for, uh, for all these things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. There's New Testament choosing and being called by Christ Jesus and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, brethren, I want to go through this rather, rather quickly. It says, this is my commandment. What's the commandment of Jesus Christ? What's the commandment of Jesus Christ right there? That you love one another even as I have loved you. Love one another, even as I have loved you. Go back to the Gospel of John, chapter 13, real quick. Just a page. You have to turn one page. It's not like a big commute here or anything. So, uh, Gospel of John, chapter 13. Take a look at verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Our love for one another is going to help people become Christians. How important that it is for us to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength so that we can love each other just like Jesus loves us. Now look at the next verse, verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay his life down for his friends. You know what? He's talking about New Testament Christians there. As a New Testament Christian, you are co-heirs with Christ. As a New Testament Christian, you are a younger brother or a younger sister of Christ. By the way, I'm going back to see my brother Steve. And my brother Steve and I are going to go camping in the Mission Mountains. And he's a preacher too. Can you only imagine? Man, sitting around the campfire, we're not telling all sorts of crazy nonsense stories. We're preaching! It's weird how that works, man. He says, no, are you kidding me, Steve? Do you look, at, look at this. You're looking at that from the wrong angle. It's brotherly love, man. It's great. So there aren't going to be any grizzly bears around because we're going to be preaching to each other the whole time. You know, you know We don't want none of that. 
I hope. All right, so greater love hath no man than this, that one laid down his life for his friend. You know who a friend is? Check out John chapter 10 and verse 11. 1 John 3, 16 through 18. Now check those out on your own time. We don't have time to do that. But 1 John 3, 16 is powerful, isn't it? Not, not John 3, 16, but 1 John 3, 16. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, his friends. And we ought to lay our lives down for each other. His friends should be our friends, and we should be friends together. There's a powerful statement in that, being friends. Not just loving each other because I have to, but loving each other because I really enjoy and appreciate the uniqueness of who you are. Now look at the next one. You are my friends if. Wow, is that condition or what? Hey man, if you had a friend that stole your car, how long would they be your friend? If, they, if, they, if you had a friend that stole your car and, and, and wrecked it and said, hey, what? I didn't have a car. I knew that you kept your keys in your car. I knew where your keys were in your room. And I, I just figured you'd be okay with it. Well, how long would that friendship last? Especially if it's a really nice GTO. Probably not very long. <laughs> Understandably so. Look, he says, if you're my friends, you will what? You'll keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. You know, he's your best friend. He's done everything for you and will continue to do everything in and through you. But you need to humble yourself and listen and obey. You know, if I wouldn't have listened to my brother, if I wouldn't have listened to my brother Steve, I wouldn't have become a Christian. I wouldn't have checked the scriptures to see if they were so. Because I was in another church that did not believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, did not believe in the plan of salvation. I would not have become a Christian. And so I'm thankful for my older brother, Steve, and I'm thankful for my oldest brother, Jesus Christ. You know what? Proverbs 17, 17 is a powerful passage of scripture talking about Jesus Christ. And if you take a look at James 4, 4, I hope you do. You can only have one friend. It's either Jesus or the world. Which one do you want? By the way, the world will provide a lot of friends. I mean, a lot of friends. The world's great about that. A lot of friends. But they're not going to be focused on serving the Lord by serving you. They'll be on what they can get from you and what you give to them. So it's important for you to recognize and understand the friendship uh, with Christ Jesus is essential. Now, I love this one. Take a look at this passage of Scripture, verse 15. No longer do I call you slaves. I don't call you slaves anymore because you're no longer on the Old, Old Testament. You're now set free. Now you can choose to be my brother or sister in Christ. I've empowered you. I've set you free. He desires that you would be like him. Check out John 16, verses 12 through 15. You know what? The master never tells the slave what's going on. Just go do this or do that. But you know what's really cool about a friend? A friend says, hey, this is what we got going on. What do you think? And you get to participate in that. That's what this is all about. That's why if you love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you get to go, hey, I love doing that. 
I can do that for the church. I can do that to show Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? You get to choose. You don't get pigeonholed into a job you don't want. You get to use what, how God has made you. And it's really a comfortable, awesome, amazing fit. See? So if you don't like preaching and teaching publicly, and you say, Mr. Compton, I don't think I like doing that. Cool. That's all right. There's lots of other things in the body of Christ that needs to be done. Amen? All right. Finally, this last point is, is huge. Take a look at this uh, uh, passage of scripture here in verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. I chose you and appointed you for a reason. I don't know about you, but I like to work. Maybe you don't like to work. Maybe you like to play, but I like to work. We were designed by the way to work. And you know, it's awesome when you do the work of the Lord because the rewards are absolutely amazing. I just got a really sweet compliment this morning. Had just a little side conversation. It made me cry. A word of encouragement. Wow. I didn't even know I was doing anything good. <laughs> I'm glad I was. <laughs> At least for this person. <laughs> it's like, wow, okay. You know, snivel, snivel. Praise God for that. Oh, but that was a happy cry. <laughs> so you see, it's so powerful how this all works together. We love one another because of our great love for God. Kind of like what I was talking about this morning about fellowship. It's very similar. The unity that we have in the spirit. Now, I got a whole bunch of scriptures there. John 15, 1 through 5, be fruitful. You can't, you can't be fruitful unless you're plugged into Jesus Christ. You know, bless the Lord by being the light, Matthew 5. 1 Peter, live your life so that the people, man, that don't like the righteousness kind of malign you, but later on they go, man, that guy was doing it right. I want to do it that way. And they become Christians. I've had that experience before. Look, when you fulfill what God is calling us to here in this passage of scripture in the gospel of John chapter 15 love one another even as I have loved you and you look at each of those parts and you embrace each of those parts of that passage the blessings that God has for you as an individual created unique and distinct is overwhelmingly powerful the joy inexpressible that God desires for your heart can be yours. But only if you love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and only if you're willing to take that love for God and you learn about God's love and you love one another, just like Jesus loves you. Now you can imagine where we're going next week. We're having a special guest speaker because I'm, I'm leaving right after uh, the uh, Bible class. I'll have Lord's Supper right before I go. Uh, it's because I have a date with some grizzly bears up in Montana. I have a, guest, a special guest speaker who's going to be preaching on loving one another. Okay? And, and this person is going to take it and he's going to work it in specific ways to help us understand the practicalities of loving one another. Right? And doing it genuinely and sincerely. So with that, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, 
in Matthew, it says that the love of many grew cold when persecution came and lawlessness came. And yet, Father, we also see in the book of Revelation that we have a choice, a personal choice, to, to be on fire for the Lord, red hot, not love growing cold, but love growing more fervent, more zealous for you and for your church. We have a choice. Love that is cold is not love that hates necessarily. It's love that doesn't exist because there's apathy, taking things and people and, and you for granted. Father, help us to understand that we need to invest ourselves in loving you with all our heart and our mind and our soul and our strength and then to love others, love each other as you have loved us, Father. We're going to look at that for the next several weeks. Loving each other because of our love for you. We ask that you'd help us to understand these things, embrace these things, and use these things and grow so that we'll be more steadfast, stronger than ever before for times that we may soon experience in the future, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, let's stand up. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right, let's go do it. Thanks for coming out this morning. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.